Okay. Dang it. <laughs> I thought, hey, that's good. Um, great to have you on board, Elf, and thank you for blessing us with um, leading us in worship. We really appreciate that. Um, we are in a series on busyness. Now, I do notice that there are some people here from our sister church in Launceston. You've done this series a while ago, so sorry for you. You get, uh, you get a microwave bits today and um, <laughs> hope that is still useful to you as well. Uh, we're on the third installment of this series and to introduce the message to you this morning, I'd like to introduce to you this stunning woman up here. Um, her name is Mrs. Christian. Mrs. Christian is a mother of three children. She has a job and she is an active member of a church. And just recently, she's been put in a bit of a tough spot. You see, she has been asked by her pastor if she could organise a bake sale involving their whole church to raise much-needed funds for children who are victims of trafficking. She finds this a really hard decision to make, so she says to her pastor that she'll think about it. Her gut feeling is to say no. She's already very busy. She's doing some mentoring with refugees in their community. She's on two rosters at church. She leads a small group. She's helping to arrange a team at her workplace to take part in a fun run to raise funds for breast cancer research. And this doesn't mention her responsibilities to her family and her friends. She kind of feels that she ought to say no to this request. And yet, she struggles. In her mind's eye, she sees the powerful images of the children in slavery that the pastor showed in a very, very persuasive, gut-wrenching video. What's wrong with me? She thinks to herself. Surely if I, if I, if I cared enough about those victims of these atrocities, I, I wouldn't hesitate to take this on. Besides, other people in my church do heaps more than I do, and, and, and yet I struggle to take this on. Maybe I'm just not as committed a follower of Jesus as I ought to be. Maybe, maybe there's something not quite right with my, with my faith. I'm, I'm just not there where I should be in my passion for God. And so in the end, in, in misery, really, <laughs> she says, yes, pastor, I'll organise the bake sale. I'm kind of willing to stake a fair bet that most of you here, whether you're a Christian or not, I mean, if you're a Christian, certainly the church stuff forms part of this, but if, even if you're not a Christian, I'm willing to stake a fair old bet 
that you have been in this position that Mrs. Christian uh, has been in in this scenario before. Wrestling with this. And you are bombarded. Uh, if you're a church-going Christian, and even if you're not, especially if you're a church-going Christian, bombarded with constant calls for, can you help? Can you do this? Can you uh, assist? Can you go on this? Can you go on that? And, and this wrestle that creeps into uh, our hearts, as it does in Mrs. Christian's heart, is a very important one for us to talk about today. Because this is a big, big issue. And I want to say three things about it uh, today. There's more things coming from the book that we're looking at, but I'm just going to highlight three. First one comes from a quote from the book. We're working through this book called Crazy Busy as a Church, just for those of you who, uh, who are visiting. Uh, and the quote says this. I think most Christians hear these urgent calls to do more or feel them internally already and learn to live with a low level of guilt that comes from not doing enough. We know we can always pray more and give more and evangelise more. So we get used to living in a state of mild disappointment with ourselves. I can't overemphasize how serious an issue this is, church. I really can't. Why is that? Because, because guilt <laughs> is one of the greatest enemies of everything that God is for. <laughs> we read this uh, one line today, and it's a one-line Bible reading, but it is so powerful. Romans 8 verse 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'll say it again. There is now, in bold capital letters, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It says to us in plain language that guilt... Even a low-level permanent guilt has no, 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 no place in the life of a Christian. Never must a Christian say, I don't feel like a good Christian or a good enough Christian. Or... I don't think I do enough to be a, a good Christian. It, if, if that is what we think, then we're missing the point of Christianity altogether. <laughs> yeah, the point of, of the gospel is that you are enough, you have done enough in Christ. Jesus is enough. Jesus has done enough. <laughs> you, by virtue of your faith, are in Christ. And when God looks at you, he sees Christ. He sees 
perfection. He sees enough <laughs> without you having done a single thing for him. Do we get this? Do we really believe it? You may say, well, look, I, I still don't really know how this works. I, I'm new to the faith. I'm new to, to Christianity, to all this kind of things. What does it mean to be in Christ? I mean, I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not doing enough, and yet you say I am. Um, I've used this analogy a number of months ago. I'm going to do it again today just to refresh, refresh it because I found, find it really useful. What does it mean to be in Christ uh, and for me to be perfect in Christ? little illustration. I went to Melbourne a little while ago. Um, when I got to Melbourne, someone asked me, how did you get here? I said, I flew here. It's a lie. I didn't fly here. I can't fly. I really can't. <laughs> I'll try. Um, truth is that the aeroplane flew there. I just happened to be on the aeroplane. And in a sense, whatever is true of the aeroplane is true of me. Because the aeroplane flew, I can say, I flew. If you are in Christ, <laughs> whatever is true of Christ... It's true of you. You are free. There is no condemnation for you if you are in Christ. There is no place for guilt in your life. Which brings you to the question of, well, okay then, why do I do anything at all then for God, if that's true? If I'm already perfect, why do I do stuff? Why do we take up good causes? Why do we make ourselves... Uh, Busy as, as Christians. Why should I do anything then for God? Firstly, let me say this. It's the wrong question to ask. You can do absolutely nothing for God. The question assumes that God needs me or needs you. The truth is God does not need me. <laughs> he does not need you. He does not need anyone. Nothing we can do for God. Instead, because you already are perfect in Christ, you can do something with God in this world because you love God. This is how it works. In fact, you can do a great many things with God because you enjoy working with God in this world, including suffering with Him in this world. <laughs> we live with Him, right? Way too often, too easily do we, do we reverse the way that the gospel works. We slip into thinking that we need to do more or be more to become a good Christian. And so we're laboring under a burden of low-level guilt. And if that's you today, you need to let that go. It's not the gospel. It will kill you. It will not make the gospel look as beautiful to others as it should be. And it certainly is not what Jesus wants from you. Point number one. Guilt must never motivate our actions as Christians. Guilt must never motivate our actions. But, says Mrs. Christian... What about the children caught in slavery? Shouldn't I care about them? 
Shouldn't I care more about them? And if I don't, who will? Here's the second thing Mrs. Christian needs to get. Caring is not the same as doing. Now, I need helpers. So, children, I know we have children in church today. Uh, Can I get at least four helpers? Anyone keen to help me? All right, come on up. Just come on up. We can be more than four, two. So, if you feel keen, please come on up. One, two, three. I need one more. All right. Uh, What about an adult? Anyone? Oh, no, we've got someone. Okay, I have... I have drawn on the stage here, very, very naughty of me, but I will clean it up, I promise. There's three circles or spheres on this stage, and what I need to do is I'm going to stand in this one. I need two of you to stand in this one. So, yep, how about, let's have, uh, yep, Zara, you come on in here, and maybe, Eli, can you go in the big circle for me over there? And if you guys can come on in here, how about we have... Yeah, do you want to come on in this one, in the little circle? And you go in that one. All right. You can't see it, but I'll explain it to you. There's three circles on the stage. There's a little one, which is my life. This is where I am. I can't move out of this one. Then there's another one there. And these two girls are inside the second circle. The two boys are inside a bigger circle that's drawn again around that. All right. Now, let's say Zaria falls over. Dramatic. There she is. She's fallen over and she's hurt. And she says... Excellent. I can say, oh, Zaria, really, I can help you. Can I please take my hand? Let me help you up. Excellent job. Now, let's say Eli falls. Dramatic effect, please. Just stay on the stage. Because <laughs> this might be very real, a real-life example if you fall off. All right. Eli is in agony. He's hurting. He is saying to me, Help me, please, I'm dying. I can say, Eli, I really care, I I see you, but look. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, mate, there is nothing I can do about it. Jaden can maybe help him up. If he wants. All right, thanks, guys. Give him a hand. You go go and take a seat. Excellent. (laughs) Truth is, My circle of influence in life is always going to be smaller than my circle of concern, right? Does it mean, even though I didn't physically, I was not the one to step in and help Eli up, does it mean that I don't care about Eli? Absolutely not. I care deeply about Eli. Uh, It bothers me, it concerns me. It saddens me to see what's happened to him. But the fact is, I cannot be the one to take direct responsibility to step in there to help him. Jaden could, but I could not. Zaria, on the other hand, I could reach her. I could do something about this. And I think you can connect the dots in what this illustration is trying to say. 
You know, the amount of people you can actually help in your life is always going to be fewer than the amount of people that you want to help. Always. Always. So Mrs. Christian can look at the bake sale and say, look, I care very deeply about victims of slavery. I do. But I can't do something about that right now. Maybe in this scenario, those victims are just not in her circle of influence. Certainly in her circle of concern, but not in her circle of influence. That's point two. Number one, guilt must never motivate our actions. Number two, caring is not the same as doing. And now the last thing, number three, is this. We all have different gifts and callings. Gifts, if you were in Pathway throughout earlier this year, we did a small series on spiritual gifts. For those of you who are new Christians or non-Christians, spiritual gifts are things that Christians uh, are given, abilities, special abilities that God gives Christians to build up the church, to strengthen the church, to encourage the church. Okay? And they're different. There's a number of them and they're different type of gifts and abilities given to different people. Now, there was something that came up in that series. It was a fancy word. It was called gift projection. Gift projection. I like it. It's one of those words that make you sound really smart when you say it. Uh, Gift projection. Let me explain what that means and how that could be a problem here. Maybe in this little scenario that we ran, Mrs. Christian's gift is word of wisdom. In difficult situations, she could pray, and the Holy Spirit seemed to give her unusually brilliant ideas on how to deal with tricky situations, complicated situations, which makes her a wonderful small group leader because she can really sensitively deal with many difficult things that she comes across in her circle of friends and in her small group. Perhaps her pastor's spiritual gifts are mercy and hospitality. So he is hugely excited about using this gift of mercy that he has as he looks at victims of of trafficking and slavery. It really grinds him. He's got a real soft spot for that stuff. He's also got hospitality. He loves cakes. He loves a bake sale. And he loves to serve cakes to people at his church and raise funds for the alleviation of this issue that he has portrayed in this video. It would be a mistake for this pastor to get upset with this person, possibly because he assumes that she is wired the same way as his. Maybe he's approaching a person with totally the wrong gift mixture to organise a bake sale. It's just not where she where she operates, where she ticks, where she works. That's gifts, which leads to the next thing. You know, we have different gifts, but we also have different callings. Let's assume that Mrs. Christian's gifts were the same as her pastor's. She also had the gift of mercy and hospitality. So you can't say that she's not gifted to organize a bake sale. But even though she might be gifted to organize and run a bake sale. Truth is, God may not be calling her to do this right now. 
maybe just last month she's arranged a lunch for refugees who have been settled in her neighbourhood. She sensed a particular call from God to that, seeing as some of them work where she works and she could use her gifts of mercy and hospitality in this area. She was very busy last month organising that. So come this month, she may well get the sense that God is saying to her, you know what, you worked hard last month. Take a break. Prune your roses. Go and watch your kids' soccer games this week. If God is truly behind that response, and this pastor is wise, he'll respect the fact that God may be calling this person to do something else this time around. If Mrs. Christian is wise, hopefully she won't fall to people-pleasing and perhaps be a little bit brave and say, thanks for thinking of me organising this bake sale, but no, not this time. Scripture says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift's prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouraged, then encourage. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Right. Now, just before I close, let me ask a question that I think some of you may have by now. Isn't all this just, or couldn't all this just be a huge excuse for laziness in the Christian life? Uh, I don't really want to do this. I think I'm feeling guilty. I shouldn't be acting out of guilt, so no, I'm not going to do this. Or that, in fact, nothing. Uh, Maybe... She's not really in my circle of influence or I kind of just pick and choose who I want to be in my circle of influence based on what I want to do and what I don't want to do and really I just want to be slack. Uh, It's not really my calling to tell other people that I'm a Christian when I get the opportunity, so I'm just not going to do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a fair question that can these things be abused? Can they be used as excuses for unfaithfulness, laziness, just plain old slackness in the Christian life? It's a fair question, and I think there's a simple answer. Here it is. Jesus was once asked, what is the most important thing that a person should do? What is the biggest rule they should obey? And he said it's this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. The truth is that if the grace of God has touched us, and if loving God is our heart's growing desire and our greatest joy, then who would want to find excuses to not serve Jesus and work with God and find their greatest joy in this? It's immature to say, can this be abused? Of course it can be abused. Will it be abused if love is at the center of our lives? 
Probably not. Love will lead us to convictions about what we should commit to, what we should say yes to, and what we should say no to. There's a world of difference between guilt and conviction. Okay? I can clarify that this morning. Uh, Guilt enforces. Conviction inspires. Because I love. I do. Guilt says you have to or else. Conviction says I want to because. Because I love Jesus. Because I love this people group or this issue that I'm working with. And I love my family and I love the balance that that Christ wants to create in our lives. Mrs. Busy can say, look, I love Jesus, therefore I'm passionate in using my gifts and I'm not going to say yes out of guilt. Love all boils back to love. Romans 12 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds are being renewed to love God, to love what he loves. Why would we ever want to cheat him, sidestep him, dodge him, be slack for him? Okay, now let me close with a summary as I return to Mrs. Christian. I'll just give you the points, just for memory's sake. Mrs. Christian should know, and each of us today should know, when we face the barrage of good things that you can do in your life, here's what she and each of us should never think. Never think that I'll be a better Christian. You are a good Christian because Jesus loves you. Never think that caring deeply about something means that God holds you directly responsible to do something about it. There are some things in your life he's going to hold you directly responsible for or invite you into to work with him, but not everything. Thirdly, be okay to let others take over things that you know is not your calling or in your area of gifting. Leaders, be okay to receive a no answer from people if you know that whatever you're asking of them may not be their calling, may not be their gifting. Keep these things in mind. They won't solve every problem we have with busyness, but as we navigate it, maybe these are just some useful tips. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you that you have done something in Christ that has eradicated one of the heaviest and most painful burdens that we bear, the sense of guilt, the sense that we are not doing enough or that we are not enough. I pray for those who wrestle with that uh, this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would overcome that that you'd give a new and fresh and full assurance of their fullness and their freedom in Christ. Make it real. 
remove any, any uh, non-gospel notion in our hearts that we can earn anything before you. Rather, let us just simply accept that Christ has died for us. He's done it all. And he is everything that we need to be. Let that be real. Planted deep into our hearts. Planted deep into our churches and into our church cultures. The fullness that the gospel offers. And Father, then as we from that position navigate what we say yes to, what we say no to, uh, in the myriad of things that get thrown at us, let us just be wise. Make us strong to realize what things you do call us to do, uh, directly do things about, and what things we should care about, but perhaps not do ourselves. Finally, Father, thank you for our gifts. Thank you for our callings. I pray that each Christian here would become more and more aware of the gifts that you've given them and the callings that you place on them for this phase of their lives. May they know it. And may they find great joy in stepping into those places where they can serve you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I believe I'm